good morning, City Hope Church. It is so good to be back with you. I really, really mean that from the bottom of my heart. It is always a breath of fresh air to come to City Hope Church, and especially in this season, being able to spend some time with your pastors and their family has been just like a shot of energy to me. Um, I can't tell you how much I love them and how much they mean to me. I know they mean a lot to you, but they mean a ton to me. I I wonder, the Bible says give honor where honors due. Will you just show a little love for your pastors this morning? I love you so much. It, it really is, uh, especially right now, just a breath of fresh air because we've just taken just kind of a pause for a couple of days because we're in the busiest season of our lives, planting Five Stones Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Super exciting. We're holding interest parties and we're just telling everybody about the church that we're want, wanting to see. We want to be just like City Hope when we grow up. And, uh, and, and in, in fact, I, you can help me do something this morning that's actually really exciting for me because it's the first time we've ever been able to do this. On the other side of that camera right there are some incredible people. They're members of the Five Stones Church launch team. I wonder, can we just clap our hands and welcome everybody that's joining us online? Welcome this morning, guys. They're enjoying church from my living room right now, and so I'm so glad to see you guys, and I'll be back tomorrow. We're going to hit the ground running, invite the entire planet to Five Stones Church. Come on. But today I'm excited because we're going to continue on with this series, Running with the Giants, and kind of the concept behind this series, if you didn't get a chance to see the last week, Pastor Ben kicked this off with Peter, and you need to go back and do yourself a favor, go online and find this message and watch it. But the concept behind this message series is that in Hebrews 11 and 12, the author tells us that there's like this great cloud of witnesses that have gone on before us. They're, they're men and women of the faith, giants of the faith that, have, that were really just ordinary people that did extraordinary things for God. And, and, and they've already run their race, right? They're, they're with the Lord now and they're cheering us on from heaven. And if any one of them could kind of come down out of the stands and just run a lap with us during our race, What things could we learn from their story? What things could we learn from their lives? And so today I wanted to talk to you about a man named Jacob. And Jacob in the book of Hebrews is is told about this. He's a giant in the faith and it says this. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Now, what's so impressive, so incredible about leaning on a staff, about worshiping, about blessing your sons? Why is that accounted to him as a great work of faith. Well, Jacob's story is the perfect kind of story for any of us that like to be in control. Any of us that look at our lives and say, you know, that just didn't go exactly the way I planned it. If you could call Jacob something in modern terminology, you might call Jacob a control freak. You ever known a control freak? Raise your hand if you know a control freak. Don't raise your hand if they're on your row. Hey, man, I could identify with Jacob because I like to be in control. Don't we like to be in control? Even if you wouldn't call yourself a control freak, sometimes we just like to be in control. We like to have things go our way. We like, we like to take things into our possession, even if it's not even beneficial. Sometimes we like to hold on to stuff that, that's beyond our control. That's how Jacob was. Jacob was the kind of guy that wanted things to go bad, so badly to go his way that he was willing to do whatever it took. And and, and to be fair, he was literally kind of born a control freak. The Bible says that he he had a twin brother. And the day that he was born, Esau, his brother, came out first. And and they saw that that Jacob put his little hand out there and grabbed him by the foot. And so they actually named him Jacob based on that. Now, in Hebrew, that means heel grabber. 
That's like in our terminology, we might say you're pulling my leg, it means something else, right? But in that culture, to be a heel grabber means that if you were in a race, right, and you were running, and I was running ahead of you, and you grabbed my heel, in other words, you pull that heel out from under me because you do whatever it took to get your way. That's the kind of guy that Jacob was. And from that moment in his life and until the day he, he, his whole life changed, he was known as Jacob, the, the, the heel grabber. In, in that culture, in that society, to be a heel grabber really meant that you were a cheater, that you were a liar. And, and, and so Jacob, from his whole life, was, was that, a control freak. And so his brother was born first, and, and, and after that, in the Hebrew culture, it became a model of Jacob's life. Imagine being called all of your life heel grabber, cheater, liar. And so it became the way he ran and operated his entire life. And Jacob would do so much to get his father's blessing. See, he wanted his father's blessing and attention so desperately and so badly that he was willing to do whatever it took. And he wanted the favor and the blessing uh, that comes with the birthright. So Esau is his older brother who came out first. And in that culture, if you were born first, you received the birthright. Well, the birthright is basically you get to choose what happens to the inheritance. After your father dies, then you're the one that gets to pick and choose who gets what. And so Jacob wanted that, but that belonged to Esau. And not only did he want the the birthright, but he also wanted the blessing. The blessing was a little less tangible. The blessing meant kind of a spiritual conduit from God, that you could receive the spiritual and the physical blessing directly from God. And Jacob wanted that so bad. And so with the help of his mother, he actually devised a plan to steal that from his brother. See, Jacob was a bit of a mama's boy. Esau would have shopped at Bass Pro, okay? Jacob shopped at Ross, okay? They're they're just a little bit different, right? And so he always wanted that from his father, and he was willing to do whatever it took. And so his mom actually helped him out and devised a way to steal the birthright from his brother. And at the end of uh, of the day, he not only received the inheritance, but he got the blessing as well. And the Bible says this is the blessing that should have belonged to Esau that Jacob got. His father said, let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. In other words, his brother is going to have to bow down to him. Now, as you can imagine, that hacked off Esau pretty bad, right? Esau was kind of mad about that. In fact, Jacob had to go on the run for 20 years because of this. And his deceptive ways eventually kind of caught up with him. He has an uncle, Laban, who tricks him into marrying the wrong woman after seven years of work. And so he has to work seven more years to get the woman that he does want. And so after all of this time, after 20 years on the run, now God starts dealing with him that he needs to go back home. But that's upsetting Jacob because he knows what waits for him back home, a brother that is furiously angry with him. And God tells him this. He says, then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and your relatives and I will be with you. Now, it's been 20 years since he swindled his brother out of that that was, was rightfully his. And so it was really tough for Jacob, but he decides, I'm going to do what God told me to do. And I, as he's making his way back home, he finds out information that his brother is actually on the way to meet him. And not only is he coming, but he's actually bringing an army of 400 men with him. And Jacob panics. He starts to do what he always knows to do, which is devise some devious little plan. And he separates his family into two groups. In one group is his wife and his kids that he loves. And in the other group is his wife and kids that he loves a little more. It's just in your Bible. 
And basically his plan is that if Esau comes to me and he kills the first group, then maybe the second group will have time to get away. And I'm not saying it's a good plan, but it's the plan he's working, right? Sometimes when you're, when you're scared, you make some dumb plans, right? And that's what, he's, that's what Jacob is doing. It's because he's terrified right now. In fact, he's so scared that he finally does what he should have been doing the whole time. He actually prays because he remembers the promise that God had given him. Early on in his life, Jacob received a promise from God that he would, his descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the sea. And he remembers that. And so the Bible records it. That's where I want to pick up in verse 22. It says, that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. If you have your Bibles, you can circle that. He was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he wrestled with the man, as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, you will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Now, some theologians have debated about this passage of Scripture, and I don't want to get too deep in the theological weeds, but I will say this. Some people believe that the man that Jacob wrestled with was an angel, and others believe that it was actually God himself. It was that, it was a, the fancy word is a Christophany. It was Jesus before Jesus was ever born. Now, when you're God, you can do that kind of thing. I actually believe that was the case. I believe that this was Jesus Before Jesus was ever born, he came down to wrestle with Jacob. And the reason why is because Jacob called that place where he wrestled Peniel, which means face with God, face to face with God. And so regardless of whether you think it was an angel or whether you think it was Jesus, it really doesn't matter because Jacob is in close proximity with God, right? He's, he is trying, the dude is trying to wrestle with the supernatural being. Like what kind of a control freak do you got to be to try and put Jesus in a figure four leg lock? Right? I mean, like, this is, this is what he's trying to do, which reminds me, by the way, Wichita Falls has the Wrestling Hall of Fame here? Like, nobody told me this. Like, I, the last time I was here, I saw the littlest skyscraper, and I'm like, okay, rock on. Like, but you also have the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Now, they wouldn't let me go in because of the way that COVID works. You had to, like, do it by appointment only. But I wanted to go in because I thought, man, if somebody was going to be in that building, it ought to be Jacob. Because Jacob was the kind of guy that was going to Hulk Hogan Jesus. I mean, nobody is more, like, how much of a control freak you got to be to think, I think I could body slam the Almighty. This is who Jacob is. And as crazy and as weird as that sounds, when we hear something like that, is it really all that crazy? Because how many times, maybe right now today, you're going through something or you've gone through something. And you're wrestling with God with this thing. And, and it's bothering you. And, it, and maybe you've even prayed about it. And you've given it over to God. And you say, God, handle that thing. And then 10 minutes later, you pick it up and wrestle it again. But that's exactly what we do. Right? G- Jacob was wrestling with Jesus. We do the same thing. We wrestle with God. And sometimes you need to hand something that's out of your control over to Jesus and just let it go. But, but many times when we do this, when we, when we wrestle with God in this way and, and we give him something and then just pick it up and take it right back, God will let us do that. You ever wonder why? Like, why is it, God? Why do you do that? Why do you let us give you our, our pains and our anxieties and our, our worries and our struggles and we give them over to you? Why do you let us take them right back again? 
See, so, sometimes we could give those over to God and God could fix them instantly. Whether it's a person or a financial issue or a healing in your life, I believe God could do that immediately. And then sometimes we get so excited, we take it back and God's okay with that. He lets us do it. Why? It's because of this. If you're a note taker, I want you to write this down. Number one in your notes. I think it's because of this. God is a wrestling fan. Oh yeah, brother. <laughs> Somebody just got freedom in Tennessee. I just believe it. I, but no, I'm not talking about WWE. Like I, I don't know what Jesus thinks of professional wrestling. I have my opinions. But, but I'm talking about wrestling with God. I think God likes the fact that we wrestle with him sometimes. See, I used to think that if I had questions or problems or doubts when it comes to faith, it meant that I was lacking faith. But I really believe that it's actually in truth. It takes faith to wrestle with God with our questions and our doubts. And when we're willing to step in the ring with the Lord and say, God, I've got these issues and I've got these disappointments, that's when things start to change for us. It's at that point that our hearts get set free and our relationship with God deepens. Have you ever noticed in life that tough times have this weird tendency of bringing us together? Like when we go through a tough time, we can go together. I think the same is exactly true with God. That, that difficult moments draw us closer to God. I read this article one time about a lion, about how a father lion will take a little baby lion and, and, and they'll actually wrestle with them. They'll allow this little cub to pounce on them and bite them. And actually the dad lion will cry out in pain. He'll be like, oh, like it hurts so bad. And, and biologists think that the reason why they do this is it actually builds confidence inside the little cub. The cub thinks, man, I'm dangerous. I could, I could hurt this great big lion. And, and, and in fact, the article went on to say the same is true with dads and their boys. Like if you were to wrestle with your young son, it builds up a confidence inside of you. Now, this lion at any time could have gobbled up that little cub, but the lion knows that if, if it does this, it'll build confidence in in the little baby cub. And the same is true with us. It builds confidence in us when we wrestle with God. See, Jacob is in that kind of a wrestling match with God. God is in no danger of losing this match, right? But he's letting Jacob wrestle with him. And I love this picture with, uh, of our God. It's almost as if to say, God knows, right, that we have difficult moments, that we have anxieties and concerns and worries and doubts. And God says, that's fine, bring them to me. Wrestle with me. And, and, and even if it takes a little while, scripture says he wrestled all night with God. He says, that's okay, I'm, all, I'm fine with it because when you're wrestling with God, you're taking it to the right source. When you have issues and doubts and problems and concerns, when, when you have troubles in your life, you're taking it to the place that can actually do something about it. You're not blasting it on Facebook. You're not posting it on social media. Come on. You're, you're taking your issue, your concern to the one person that might actually do something about it. And God's okay with this. This is why he's fine with us wrestling with him. And at no point did God ever pin Jacob down and force him to do his will. God will never make you do anything. And the truth is, you don't even have to be happy with God to wrestle with him. I mean, when you read your Bible, there's a whole lot of Psalms that are, uh, that are those writers doing that exact thing. They're saying, God, I don't get it. Where are you? God, I thought you were going to show up. And, and are you going to show up? Do you even see what I'm going through? That's what the Psalms are saying. This is why God's okay with that. Because just like Jacob, he'll open his palms to you and he'll say, come, wrestle with me. We'll wrestle together. And Jacob does this interesting thing. He, he demands to be blessed by the Lord. He says, God, I want to be blessed by you. Now, if Jacob were here and he could run a lap with you, he might say, now listen, when you ask to be blessed by God, it doesn't always look the way you think it should look. Sometimes when you're blessed by God, it's, it's different. But at the very least, whatever God gives you, it will change you. 
Because when you wrestle with God, you get more of him. Scripture says that, that when God noticed that he wasn't going to win the fight, in other words, Jacob was going to keep fighting and wrestling and struggling with God for control. At that point, God decided to do something. He touched Jacob's hip. And that one touch from God completely alters Jacob's life forever. And the same is true today. One touch from God today, today for you, could alter your life forever. One, one touch from God will change everything. Now, when God touched Jacob, something interesting happened. It says, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. That just sounds terrible, right? I mean, that just sounds awful. It made me think of, I was thinking of this time my son and I were running, and we went on a long run. It was about a a, a 10-mile run, and we were going to run all day that day, and it was a beautiful park that we were in. It had these big, beautiful pine trees and a big pond, and we were just running all all along this. Now, when when it's pretty like that, everybody likes to come out. And so as we're running, we came upon this one part, and there was, a, there was two, two women, and they had their kids, and they were all walking dogs. So it was like it was this giant pack of people. And, and, and right where the area where they were kind of blocking our way that we're going to try and run around, the way that the trees grew and the way the water kind of fell, the, it dug these re, real big ruts inside of the track. And so as we were running to try and go around them, as I ran, for some, at some point, my foot hit one of those ruts and twisted now, I don't know about you, like, like when you fall, like, I, I never fall gracefully. It's like, like, I just felt, like, when I went down, I, I immediately said, oh, Lord, help me. And, and it's like going, like, I'm grabbing anything that I can take on my way down, and I'm screaming. And the women, they didn't see us coming because they were coming this way. And so we're coming from behind. And so when they heard me yell, they said, oh, Lord. And so they took off, too. And they're walking their dogs, and the dogs are freaking out now. And they're going, rawr, 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 rawr. so they're barking, and the kids are screaming, and kids are crying, and I'm bleeding, and I'm exploding. You know, it's like this massive display of destruction going on in this moment. And I sprawl out and I'm like cutting myself up in all these ways. And my son, who's like jogging normally, looks over and he says, dad, are you okay? And you know what I did? I did what we all do in that moment. I got right back up and I tried to the best of my ability to run. I'm all jacked up. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm great. I'm fine. Let's go. Okay, like I, like as if I did that all the time, right? It's like, oh yeah, I normally blow up and explode and then run like it. No, why do we do that? Why, why is it that when we get hurt like that, we try to play it off like we're totally fine? You know why? Because we like to be in control. We want everybody to think, I've got it all together. I'm fine, I'm okay. The reality is I was jacked up. I was really messed up. We like hobbled to the car and drove home terribly. I mean, it was terrible. And the truth is, I, I must have messed up my knee really bad because for about two and a half weeks after that, I walked with a limp. Everywhere I went, I walked, and I got really good at telling that story. You know why? Because when you walk with a limp, everybody wants to know why. When you walk differently, people want to understand why are you walking that differently. See, I think sometimes God allows us to have a moment of desperation because he knows it's in that moment it'll draw us closer to him. And in that moment, we have to say, God, I'm trusting you. God, I need you. Because a lot of times, this is what we like to do, right? We say, God, I'm trusting you. God, I'm putting my faith in you. God, I'm believing for you. But if you don't show up how I like and when I like, I got this other plan B I'm working, right? Don't we do that? And it's not until this place that we say, God, I'm all out of plan Bs. I've burned the boats, God. There's nothing left for me to do except for to trust you. And in that moment, we get real before God. 
And we have to decide to, to stop taking matters into our own hands and to stop, stop ignoring godly counsel, to stop cutting corners and actually get real with God. See, that's how Jacob operated his whole life. Jacob was always taking things into control, figuring out a way to do it, devising a plan, and now he was living out the consequences of a life like that. And that's when Jacob realized this, number two in your notes, it's that wrestling with God will change the way you walk. When you wrestle with God, it'll change. See, a funny thing happened, I noticed. After my leg healed up, no one asked me about my walk anymore. When I wasn't limping, no one wanted to know what happened to me. And I've, I've heard this from people so many times over the years. They say, Tom, why do you think that God made me go through that thing? Like, why did God allow me to go through this difficult and terrible and painful moment? Why, why did he let me do that? Because I, I think sometimes the wrenching of the hip, a desperation moment, makes us give God, truly give God control. And sometimes God will allow us to go through these difficult and painful moments, moments in our life because he knows it's only at that point that we'll really give God total control. And just like that baby lion, and just like Jacob, when we go through that difficult moment, when God touches you, you'll walk differently. Something changes in your life. And those of us that have made it through some difficult and painful experiences, those of us that have gotten out of those moments, we'll know this, you'll know this, that sometimes God will allow you to limp towards heaven if it'll keep you from running towards hell. I'm gonna say that again. Sometimes God will allow you to limp towards heaven if it means it'll keep you from running towards hell. Because God knows the end from the beginning. And he didn't just pin Jacob down and say, you, you, you do what I said. He didn't force his will on Jacob. God let Jacob wrestle with him all night long. He wrestled with Jacob. And it was not until Jacob was willing to fully surrender to God. In other words, no more deception. No more swindling. It couldn't be God and Jacob's way. It had to be God's way and God's way only. That's what, that's what Jacob needed in his life. And Jacob says this incredible thing. He says to God, he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. If Jacob were here, he would tell you that's the secret to wrestling with God and, and, and coming out victorious. It's this. It, it's three little words. Don't let go. Don't let go. You see, there's so many times I've seen people go through difficult struggles in their life and they've rest, they're wrestling with God. And it's this moment where it's like, God, I don't know if you're going to show up or not. God, I don't know if you'll, you'll really be there for me. And, and you know what happens? The, it, after a time, they just give up. And they walk away. But here's the truth. You cannot be blessed by God if you let go of God. It's just the truth. And the painful thing is for us to realize is that God is more concerned with your character than your comfort. He cares more about you than your struggle. Why? Because the struggle he knows is temporary. All of this is a temporary thing. We, we are physical beings. We are not physical beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a physical experience. And God knows that. And so the, the challenging thing is this can be really unkind to say to somebody that's going through the middle of something difficult. But if I were to take you to a hospital room, and let's just pretend you didn't know anything. You're like an alien from another planet. If I took you to this room where a woman was giving birth, you might think that everybody in that room is cruel or sadistic or insane, right? Because she's lying in the bed and she's screaming. And what are they doing? The doctor's smiling, the nurse is smiling, the dad is mostly smiling, Right? But like in that room, in that setting, you think, why are they not helping this poor woman? Well, everybody in that room knows that it's not without the pain that you can get to the miracle. It's not until you get through the struggle and the difficulty that you get new life. 
And God knows that too. And see, I believe this, that God looks at everybody in this room and he says, man, you're, you're pregnant with possibility. And he's extremely patient because he knows what he put inside of you. Jacob wrestled with God and, and, and he was trying to gain control. And this is what he figured out, the last thing in your notes. Wrestling with God will bring about a new identity. Wrestling with God gives a new identity. God asks him, Jacob, what is your name? What is your name? Seems like an odd thing for God to ask, right? And when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, right? He knows the answer. He's God. But he says, what's your name? See, when you wrestle with God, he makes you confront the lie. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's the truth? He says, I'm the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he makes Jacob come to the, to the grips with who he actually sees himself as. Jacob says, he answers the only way that, that he knows to answer. He says, I'm Jacob. That's who I see myself as. I'm the cheater. I'm the liar. I'm the fake. I'm the phony. Maybe some of you today have, have been dealing with that too. Maybe you, there's something that has happened in your life, a mistake that you made. Maybe you botched it. Maybe you blew it big time. And you've been wearing an identity based on a mistake. And you've been wearing it, and, and it's become your identity. You're wearing it like a cheap suit. And it's not who you really are. See, God looks at him and he says, that, that may be who they say that you are, but that's not who I call you. I don't call you that. He says, what is your name? In other words, do you want to stay that way? Do you want to remain that place? Jacob answers the only way he knows, Jacob, and God says this. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but it be Israel, because you've, over, you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And in that moment, God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. What does Israel mean? Well, there's a lot of different translations that you could go by. One translation says, one who God commands. Another translation of the word Israel means, let God rule. And another, another translation says, one who fights victoriously with God. Whatever translation you use, he went from deceiver to fighter of God. That's a brand new identity. That's better any way you cut it. See, you may, have, you may feel like this morning you're controlled by a secret. Something you've done or that has been done to you and you have taken that on as an identity. Something you wish nobody knew about. Something that, 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 that maybe only a few people know about and you're walking around with this identity and, and I want you to hear me today. Perhaps even if it's shame or if it's guilt or if it's a past sin like, like, like shame or, or, or like a, a, a gossip or a critical spirit and now you've taken this on as your identity, God wants you to hear this today. That may be what they call you. That might even be what you call yourself, but that's not who I call you. That's not the name that I have given you. See, Jacob had to come to grips with the shames of his past. He had to come face to face with his past mistakes and issues. And God says, that's, that's not who your real name is. What is your name? See, in the Hebrew culture, they put a lot of stock in names. They understood that the name was more of a, a statement of who they are. And Jacob, in this moment, had to get real with God. And once he got real with God, alone with God, one-on-one -on -one with God, it's in this moment that God was able to actually touch him. The same question that he asked Jacob, God's asking you, who are you really? After you get home from church, after you, you take the mask off, after the lights are out, when you're just alone with yourself, who are you? Jacob got real with God. He said, I'm Jacob. I'm, I'm the liar. I'm the cheater. I'm the swindler. I'm the phony. I'm the, willing, I'm the one that's willing to do whatever it takes to get the blessing from God. I, I want the blessing. I want to get my stuff. I'm the guy that'll do that. And it's at that point that God says, there it is. 
There's the lie. There's the thing that you've been dealing with. And it's that point that he could get to Jacob. He says, you'll no longer be Jacob, but you'll be Israel because you've wrestled, you struggled with God and with humans and you've overcome. See, God was the one that created Jacob. He knew everything that he put inside him. He, he put in that tenacious nature. He, he made him to be smart and crafty. He made him to be a leader. But Jacob had been living his life, his life misdirected and it had taken him to an outcome that he is there. See, God said, I put all of those things inside of you. Those traits need to be redirected. And so he, he changed him. And he said, you have been fighting for the world stuff. You've been, you've been after the blessing. You've been after all of the stuff. Give me the inheritance. Give me the blessing. And God said, if you'll just stop fighting for the blessing and you look towards and worship the blesser, life will change for you. If you'll stop worshiping the things of this world and start worshiping the one who brings the things, then life will change for you. And the same guy that would do anything to get ahead in life becomes a new person with a new name. And at that point, He's able to extend grace onto others because when you've had grace extended to you, then you can turn around and extend grace to other people. The morning after this big wrestling match is where the rubber meets the road. Jacob wakes up, he's wrestled with God all night and he, his brother is approaching and he's coming. Now, right or wrong, whether he, it was wrong for him to steal the birthright, regardless, his dad said, your brothers are supposed to bow down to you. So he deserves that. He's got that coming to him. And at very least, you would think that, that Jacob might pull something sneaky right here. But I want you to see how the Bible records it. It says this, Jacob himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him and they wept. Instead of an epic battle royale, instead of an, a, a, a WWE smackdown that should have happened, you have a beautiful reconciliation between two brothers. Why? Because God was dealing with Esau too. Even though Jacob didn't know it, God was dealing with Esau's heart and Jacob was now a new person, a new identity. And instead of this blow up explosion, it becomes two brothers coming back together because Jacob's different now. He's got a brand new identity. Therefore, God says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. That's what happens to Jacob. He's a new person. He's got a new identity. When we started this, this passage out of Scripture, we said that, that the real miracle of Jacob's life was that by faith, when he was dying, he blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Why is that a miracle? Because in this moment, he has to use that staff for his whole life. This is the moment that his entire life changes. From this moment, he, he spends his whole life dealing with what God did to him at Peniel, leaning on his staff. He would always have to remember the miracle that God had wrought in his life, breaking his stubborn will. He leans on this staff, which now symbolizes that he's helpless. He's completely dependent upon God. See, God didn't just change Jacob. He changed generations. Jacob's kids, 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 they weren't named Jacobites. They were known as Israelites. God changed not only him, but changed generations through him. They became the people where the savior of mankind comes out of. This is what happens. And you need to hear this today. Just like Jacob, you may have been going on with a different identity and it's something that God wants to break today. You are not your past sins. You're not your past mistakes. You're not an Enneagram number. You're not what your parents did. You're not what you messed up. You're not the liar. You're not the broken one. You're not the cheater. You're not the divorced one. Come on, somebody. You're different. You're chosen. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're set free. You're, you're 
you're loved by, come on, you ought to give God a bigger hand than that because God's changed you today. You're somebody different today. In order for Jacob, for this to happen to Jacob, he had to come real with God. He had to get to a place where he could get real with his past mistakes and with his past sins. You see, it's only in the Christian life where surrender means victory, where losing means winning, right? Jesus said it better than anyone. He said, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. I think one of the biggest struggles that we have in this life is control. You could argue that it was the the root cause of the original sin in the Garden of Eden. Because God says, look, I'll give you all of these amazing things. You can have all of this stuff. Just stay away from that one tree. Don't do that. And we say, God, I think I've got a better plan. I'm going to go after that one thing you said no to. It's the root cause of all of our sin because we say, God, I think I should have control. I need control. And my question to you is this. What are you holding on to today that God wants you to surrender control over? What is that thing inside your life that you've been saying, God, I think I've got a better plan. Maybe I've been holding on to something and maybe, maybe you're like Jacob. You need to leave here and you need to go find someone and say, hey, listen, I forgive you. I, I recognize that, that this is a rough relationship and we, I want it to be right again. Or maybe like Jacob, you need to go to somebody and say, hey, listen, I made a big mess. It's my fault. I messed it up and I, I'm asking, will you forgive me? Maybe like Jacob, you've been running from God for 20 years. And I want to tell you today, You'll never run fast enough. He'll always chase you down. He'll leave the 99 for the one. He'll he'll always catch up to you. I don't know what your story is because we all come at this thing from different places. But I do know this, that surrendering control like Jacob may make you walk a little differently after today. And that might be the most graceful thing that God could ever do to you. You see, from that moment on, I can't help but to see Jacob walking with this staff, limping, and people saying, like they always do, what happened to you, Jacob? And from that moment on, Jacob could say, no, it's not what happened to me. It's what God did in me that completely changed my life. Bow your heads with me right now. All over this room, I just want to ask that you just take a moment right now, just be reverent, bow your heads, close your eyes, because I know in this place, there are people that are struggling with stuff, struggling with control, Maybe it's a family member or a wayward child. Maybe it's a financial issue or, or maybe it's something that you've been wrestling with God for a long time and you know you ought to just leave it at his feet, but you keep picking it up. If that's you, I'm not gonna single you out, out in any way. That's why I ask everybody to keep your eyes closed. But I do wanna pray for you right now. If that's you, just lift up your hand. You say, I'm, I'm struggling for control right now. God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Who else? Yes, God bless you. God sees that there's freedom in this house. Yes, God bless you. Who else? Yes. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you saw every hand that shot up. You know, God, that, that it was a boldness right there to say, I'm, I'm taking control, and now I, I know I should hand it back over to you. And so, I God, right now, I just pray that just like you wrestle with Jacob and they're wrestling with you, God, that you'd meet him right there in the ring. Lord, that you'd take over control of that thing. God, your plan is better than our plan. Your ways are better than our ways. God, we relinquish relinquish control over that thing back to you. And we say it's yours, Jesus. Whatever you want to do with it, however you want to handle it, we let you have it now. We're still praying. Maybe right now you would say that, like Jacob, I've ran away from God for a long time. 
It's hard for me because I've wanted to be in control and I've tried that. But I've never really taken complete control of my life and handed it over to Jesus. If that's you, while no one's looking around, I just want to pray for you. Why don't you lift up your hand so I can pray for you? God bless you. I want to know what it's like to be forgiven and set free. I want to know, God bless you, who else? What it's like to be radically changed. Like Jacob, I want my whole life to be different. Just lift, God bless you. Who else? Who else? Come on, I'm going to wait for one more second for you. God bless you. Yes. Well, no one's looking around. We're going to all pray this prayer together. You can drop your hands down. The Bible says if you mean it from your heart and confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're set free. You're different. And we believe it this way. No one prays alone. So all over this house, let's pray this prayer together. Say it this way. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned. I know I've made mistakes. And I need a Savior. So I open up my heart to you. And I invite you in to be the Lord of my life. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me your child. From this moment forward, I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give God praise today for everyone that made that decision. Come on. Awesome. Can we give Pastor Tom some honor as well? Come on, let's uh, thank him for the message today. So powerful. Um, you know, in the South, I grew up in Sweetwater, Tennessee, so all of you watching in Chattanooga, it's home for me up there, but uh, it's not wrestling, it's wrestling, all right? Y'all, y'all know there's a difference between wrestling and wrestling, all right? So, uh, hey, I'm so thankful for the message that he brought today, and um, as, as we think about that message, if you made a decision to give your life to Jesus Christ today, one thing that I would love for you to do is to let me know about it. Would you do me a favor and let me know? If you're online, you can, you can do that online in the comments section. Send us a message. But if you're in the house today, on your connection card, there's a place that says, My Decision Today. And if you do me a favor and just say, I, I committed my life to Christ or I recommitted my life, check that box. And in just a moment, as we give in the offering, if you're a guest, we don't want anything from you. We, we want this service to be a gift to you today. But if you made a decision or if you're a guest with us today, put that connection card in. And if you did make a decision, I I want to point you toward our next steps table out in the lobby. Uh, You'll know it because it says next steps on it, all right? And so you'll go there, and I want to get this into your hands because one of the things we don't know uh, is when we give our lives to Christ is what to do next. Where do I go from here? What should I, do I read my Bible? Do I pray? What do I do? We want to help you with that, so we would love to get that into your hands. It's absolutely free, so just stop by and grab that on your way out as well. And uh, as we give today, I just want to say thank you as a church for being a generous church, for making a difference not only locally, but all throughout uh, America, through church planting, uh, through... Uh, through international missions. Our first missions trip is, is going out in just a couple of weeks. And uh, it, uh, year to date so far, we've given $66,000, over $66,000 to missions, local, national, and international missions. So yeah, we can give God praise for that. So let's keep doing it. Let's keep giving. Every dollar you give makes a difference. It's, it's changing lives. And so uh, as you give, 
all we ask you to do is give whatever the Lord's put on your heart. Okay, I'm not, I'm not asking you to, I'm not asking you to give anything. I'm just asking you to do whatever God wants you to do. Okay, and then just be obedient to Him. Ask Him what you should do. And uh, as you leave today, uh, you're going to get those two things are going to happen. You're going to get that um, that go bag on your way out. Bring that back next week with the the list of things on the inside of that for the Guatemala missions trip. But secondly, it's uh, right now. It is. Let's see. 93 degrees, 93 degrees outside. It's going to be a hot day. 107 is the temperature today. So we've got some ice cream for you outside, some uh, some popsicles, some Italian ice type stuff. And you don't have to pay for that because you already paid for it when you gave. So the way we work around here is we don't charge you for things you already bought when you gave in the offering. Come on, praise God for that, all right? So enjoy that on your way out. And uh, Growth Track Step 2 is also happening. So let me pray for us today. And then, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll dismiss you. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we get to give. Giving is not a have to, it's a gift to. It gets a get to. Lord, we love to give. We love to be a blessing. Lord, that's what you said to Abraham. It's been passed on to Isaac and then to Jacob and on to us. Lord, we're blessed to be a blessing. So would you use this offering to make a difference? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen.